Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Today we talk about the word hope. The word hope appears 158 times in the Bible, but the biblical definition of hope is different from the American definition. In America we say, I hope I get a good job. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. I hope I don't have cancer. It's an uncertain thing, but in the Bible, hope is a sure thing. Listen to this, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Romans 5, hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So when you read hope 158 times, let me give you the biblical definition of hope. Hope is the joyful certainty that God will keep his promises. Let me repeat that. Hope is the joyful certainty that God will keep his promises. And what is our hope built upon? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Our hope is in Jesus. What I want to do on this program is to share with you the four reasons, H-O-P-E, the four reasons Christians have hope. Let's pray. Father, we all have despair and depression, anxiety periodically, but Lord, you overwhelmingly talk about hope in the Bible. Lord, if there's someone watching this program who's lost all hope, open their ears and heart. Lord, speak to us about hope today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. H-O-P-E, four reasons Christians have hope. H, see if you can catch it. It's from Romans 15, verse 13. The Apostle Paul writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The number one thing that gives me hope, H, the Holy Spirit. In fact, I can't have hope in this dark world apart from the Holy Spirit. I can't work up hope in my own heart. It, the world is too depressing. The Holy Spirit is the one who puts hope in my heart. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Literally, he's the paraclete, which in Greek New Testament means the called alongside one. So it's like God calls the Holy Spirit along my side to get me through life having hope. The Holy Spirit. Now, take this for what you think is worth, but I have felt the Holy Spirit ever since I was a kid. Kind of like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, kind of like a chill. Uh, mm. And when I was about eight years old, I hadn't told anybody about this. I go to church, and old Pastor Acker, a Lutheran pastor in Omaha, started talking about the Holy Spirit. And he said, now some people experience the Holy Spirit one way, other people a different way. But he said, now some people get the chill. And I thought, 
wow, this old man knows what I have, and I've never talked to anybody about it. You know, not everybody gets that, but the Holy Spirit in one way or another indwells every Christian, and he gives us hope. That's the H of hope. O, here we go, see if you can see this. Philippians 3, Paul writes, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Did you get the O? H stands for Holy Spirit. O means I have an objective in life, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. People kill themselves because they don't have an objective in life, a purpose in life. Years ago, I was on my way to a mission trip in Thailand. I went early to do a few vacation days. To, I had never been to Japan. So for a few days, I stopped over in Japan to go sightseeing. Almost nobody speaks English in Japan, so it was a bit of a trick. And very, very few Christians in Japan. So I'm on my way to go sightseeing on a train in Japan, and the young Japanese woman next to me speaks English. And we talked for a while, and I told her I was on my way to a mission trip. Oh, I'm a Christian, she said. I said, really? There are so few Christians in Japan. How did you get converted? And she said, I used to have no peace in my life. I was very sad. I said to my Buddhist mother, how do I find peace? And my Buddhist mother said, I used to find peace by going and sitting in the Catholic Church down the street. So this young woman said, I started to go every day and I would just sit in this church and it helped. And then one day the priest came up and said, can I help you? And he told me about Jesus and I received Christ and I've had peace in my heart ever since. <laughs> Christians, we have peace because we have an objective a purpose, a point to our life. If your life has no purpose, no point, no objective, I mean, I, I talked to an atheist recently, just, he just had no purpose, point, and there was nothing. It'll drive you nuts. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a king who loved to hear stories, but he was always sad because the stories always came to an end. So he issued a proclamation. Whoever can tell me a story that never ends, I will give him my daughter's hand in marriage and half of my kingdom. But if your story comes to an end, you will be beheaded. The story goes that a few men lined up in front of the castle. One by one they came in, told them a very long story, but their stories always ended, so they were executed. Finally, a young man comes into the castle. King, let me tell you a story that never ends. There was a big mountain of sand and a little ant came and he moved one grain of sand. Then he came back and moved another grain of sand. Then he came back and moved another grain of sand. And after hours of this, the king said, all right, I give up. You can have my daughter, half of my kingdom. Meaning, if a story doesn't have a point, a purpose, a meaning, you get sick of it. And if your life doesn't have any point or purpose and meaning, you get sick of it. And Paul the Apostle says, we have an objective, Christian, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I, I have hope in my life, number one, because I have the Holy Spirit creating it in my heart, but number two, because I have a point, a purpose, a meaning to my life. 
the P of hope. Let's see if he gets this one. Ephesians 1 verse 7. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. P stands for pardon. If God pardons my sins, I have hope. If he doesn't pardon my sins, it's kind of over. <laughs> a young man was found frozen to death in a cabin in Canada. Clutched in his dead hand was a letter that he was writing. And it said, Dear Mother, it is so cold here. I've run out of food and I don't know if a rescue party is coming. But the one thing I wonder, Mother, is will God forgive my sins? So ended the life of a young man in Alberta, Canada. You don't have to die like that. You can know that because of Christ, your sins are forgiven. That will give you hope. Brownlow North was a famous preacher in Scotland many years ago. One day he was going to preach at a church in Aberdeen. And before the church started, a man came up and handed him an envelope. He opened in the, the envelope, it was a letter. Dear Brownlow, remember me? I was your drinking partner in Liverpool. I remember what you did in Paris. And, and he listed these sins. And he said, I defy you to get in the pulpit and preach. Story goes that Brownlow North went into the worship service, got up to preach the sermon, and he read the letter, every word, to the congregation. And he said, my friends, this is all true and more. But I remember years ago hearing the voice of my Savior, Brownlow, thy sins are forgiven thee. And if God could forgive me, there's hope for any sinner here. And the story goes, people started crying. Some came forward, confessed their sins. Some accepted Christ. And if there is forgiveness with the Lord, then there's hope. If there is no forgiveness, we give up. <laughs> I have hope because, number one, I have the Holy Spirit, God, the third person of the Trinity, living in my heart. I have hope because I have an objective in life, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I have hope because, P, He pardons and forgives my sins through Christ. He does that daily. The E. Let's look at the E of hope. Can you find this one? 1 John 5.13. I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have E, eternal life. I have hope because I have eternal life. And I've shared this on this program before, but I want to do it again. 1 John 5.13 changed my life. I was in college leading a Bible study. After Bible study, one of the young women said, Tom, can I talk to you privately? I said, sure. Tom, are you sure you're saved? And I got a little offended. I said, I think I'm saved. Tom, are you sure you're saved? And I said, yes. And she left. And I remember sitting there thinking, did I just lie? Because I don't think I was sure. <laughs> and then during that time, somebody pointed out to me 1 John 5.13. I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Tom, do you believe in the Son of God? That he died for your sins and rose from the dead. I said, yes, I do. Now look at the next part of the verse. In order that you may know that you have eternal life. Not hope maybe you've got eternal life. You can know you've got eternal life. And Tom, who wrote the Bible? Well, God wrote the Bible. Can God lie? 
No. So if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, what can you know for sure you've got from now on? That's when the light bulb went on for me, that I can know my sins are forgiven. I know I'm going to heaven. Not because I deserve it. I deserve the other place. But I know because God will keep his promises. About 160 years ago, the most downtrodden people on earth were the black slaves in the South. They had no hope for a better life. So what did they sing about? Eternal life. I got a key to the kingdom. I got a key, oh yes I do. I got a key to the kingdom and the world can't do me no wrong. I have a robe. You have a robe. All God's children got a robe. When I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my robe. I'm going to wear it all over God's heaven. I don't know, but I've been told the streets are heaven and they're paved with gold. When I can read my title clear on mansions in the sky, I'll bid farewell to every fear and wipe my weeping eye. They didn't have hope, but they had hope because they had eternal life. You probably know of Harriet Beecher Stowe. She wrote the book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, which raised a lot of anti-slavery uh, sentiment and which a a aided to the beginning of the Civil War. <clears throat> Abraham Lincoln meets Harriet Beecher Stowe. And he said to her, because she was short, so here's the little lady that started the great big war. In her book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, Simon Legree, the evil slave master, has whipped Uncle Tom bloody within an inch of his life. And then he says this, How would ye like now, Uncle Tom, to be tied to a tree and have a slow fire lit around ye? Wouldn't that be pleasant, Tom? Master, I know ye can do dreadful things. But after ye've killed the body, there ain't no more ye can do. And oh, there's all eternity after that. <laughs> Uncle Tom looked through the darkness of this present world to eternal life, and that gave him hope. Let's review. I have hope as a Christian. H, because I have the Holy Spirit. O, because I have an objective in life, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. P, because God daily pardons all my sins because of Christ's death on the cross. And E, I have eternal life because he's promised me, 1 John 5, 13, eternal life for those who believe in Christ. That is hope. <clears throat> now, I want to sing a song now about a little girl that had no hope, and now she's got hope. And this song kind of a tearjerker, and I cry when I sing this, so let's hope we make it through. But I want you to listen carefully to the words of this song. Her parents never took the young girl to church, never spoke of his name, never read her his word to unbelievers walking lost through this world took their baby with them what a sad little girl her daddy drank all day and mommy did drugs never wanted to play 
or give kisses and hugs. She watched TV and sat there on the couch while her mom fell asleep and her daddy went out. And the drinking and the fighting just got worse every night Behind their couch she'd be hiding Oh, what a sad little life And like it always does, the bad just got worse With every clap and with every curse until her daddy in a drunk rage one night took a gun on his her mom and then he took his own life and some people from a city took the girl far away to a new mom and a new dad kisses and hugs every day first day of sunday school the teacher walked in and the small little girl looked at a picture of him. She said, I know that man up there on that cross. I don't know his name, but I know he got off. Cause he was there in my old house and held me close to his side. As I hid there behind our couch The night that my parents died Cause he was there in my old house And held me close to his side as I hid there behind our couch The night that my parents died Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, my first question for you today is if someone asks who is the Holy Spirit, how would you describe it? Yeah, and you know, the, the most basic answer to the Holy Spirit is God the third person of the Godhead, the Trinity. And, uh, and Jackie, the Holy Spirit is not a ghost. The Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, same thing. One is King James English. Uh, nothing's wrong with saying Holy Ghost, but he's not a ghost like he's spooky. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. 
just as personal as the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. So the answer is the Holy Spirit is God. So what exactly does the Holy Spirit do in our lives then? Uh, just a number of things. Jesus, uh, Paul said, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if you have faith in Christ as your Lord, the Holy Spirit gave you the gift of faith. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world of sin. So he convicts us when we sin. The Holy Spirit gives us power to witness. Jesus said to the disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll shall, you shall become my witnesses. So he's the one who's speaking through you when you try to convert someone to Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us a spiritual gift. There's 18 of them. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14, and he gives every Christian a gift. So many, and he comforts us. So the Holy Spirit does many things in our lives. How does a person receive the Holy Spirit? Well, Peter said, be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you're watching this, you've never been baptized, that's an important thing to do. And Jesus said, how much more will God the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So when the Holy Spirit comes in your heart, I don't think he ever leaves you. But I do ask, God, fill me with your spirit, because the Bible says you can quench the spirit. And if I've done that, I need to ask God's forgiveness for my sin, and then say, God, fill me with your spirit. So baptism, asking. So you can grieve the spirit. That's though, right. That's why he's a person. He's not just a force. Okay. You can only grieve a person. Yep. I know that Jesus forgave me for sins I committed before I was saved. But what about the sins that we commit after we're saved? Yeah. Everybody sins after they've been saved. My, when Christ died on the cross, he died for all my sins, past, present, and future. So even the sins I haven't committed yet are already forgiven. That doesn't give me license just to go sin. But when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, he meant he's paid for all the sins of the world. So yes, God forgives my sins after I've been converted too. Otherwise, nobody would go to heaven. Will God forgive someone if they keep committing the same sin over and over? And my response is always, I sure hope so. <laughs> because hasn't everybody done certain sins more than once? I think so. <laughs> I think so too. I think if you said you haven't, and then, then there's like... <laughs> trouble. And Peter said, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times a day? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. So Jackie, if I have to forgive you 490 times a day, don't you think God's doing at least that much for each of, each of us? Yeah. So yes, there's, there is hope for people that have had sin habits that they're struggling to come out of. Yep. What if a person dies before they have a chance to confess their sins? Will they still go to heaven? Yeah. Here's what I used to do when I had the 13-year-olds for confirmation. I used to set up this scenario. Uh, two, two Christian men are driving in a car. They have a big argument. One of them says, well, GDU. And the other guy says, well, GDU. And they cuss each other out. Boom, they're hit by a bus. They both die. They didn't have time to ask for forgiveness. Do they go to heaven or hell? And sometimes the confirmation says, oh, they go to hell. Well, why is that? Well, they didn't have time to ask for forgiveness for their sins. And I stop and I say, wait a minute. So my salvation depends on me having time to confess all my sins. Then nobody's going to heaven. You don't know half your sins. We sin in thought, word, and deed daily. And my salvation does not depend upon me having time, because I never would. It depends upon Christ and the cross. It's by grace, not by me having enough time. <laughs> does a person... Or I guess I want to rephrase this. Do you believe that you have to confess your sins to a priest or a minister in order to be forgiven? Yep. 
Uh, first of all, I'm not a Catholic. <laughs> a lot of people see this and they write in, aren't you a Catholic? And no, I'm a Lutheran. Lutherans wear this too. So just to be clear, I don't think it has, you have to confess your sins to a priest or to a pastor, but nothing's wrong with it. In fact, they're kind of trained in it. And if you've got a sin that's really troubling you, you might want to talk to your pastor about it. And he pronounces what's called the absolution over you, where he announces, Jesus said, whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. He announces the absolution. And I have seen that have a great effect on people's lives. But it doesn't have to be a priest. And here's what Martin Luther said. Uh, James chapter 5, he, it says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And Martin Luther said, Strange priest, this one another. In other words, Jackie, if, if you have a Christian woman friend of yours and you need to get something off your chest, you can confess to her. And she can assure you of, of salvation through Christ. Again, nothing's wrong with a priest or a pastor. In fact, that's a good thing. But you can just confess. That's why these men's groups, men who have pornography problems, they have little prayer groups where they have an accountability partner. They confess their sins to each other. So it doesn't have to be a priest. Okay, here's one for you from somebody that probably doesn't like that, huh? Yeah. Isn't it arrogant to say that you know for sure you have eternal life? You know, I hear that now and then. And Jackie, I do know for sure my sins are forgiven and I'm going to heaven when I die. But it's not an arrogant thing because I think I'm good enough. I think I'm not good enough. I deserve hell. The reason I'm sure is my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. First John 5.13, I write this to you who believe in Jesus, that you may know that your sins are forgiven. That's my confidence, that by the grace of God I've been saved. God will keep his promise. Yeah. Okay, what will heaven be like, Tom? Well, uh, well there'll be worship in heaven. There'll be eternal joy in heaven. Uh, there will be... Uh, uh, things, uh, fullness of knowledge. Now I know in part. In heaven, I'll know know everything. So some of the questions you didn't understand down here, you'll have fullness of knowledge. First Corinthians thirteen. Yeah. You want to close, Tom? Sure, everybody. Or... Um, just you know, w one last thing that I forgot to say. Do you have to confess your sins to another Christian? It's a healthy thing. But when we pray the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses, God forgives you right then and there when you pray the Lord's Prayer. So it doesn't have to be to another Christian, but James 5 says it's very healthy. So I encourage you to get a prayer partner, an accountability partner. And everybody, thank you for your prayers for our ministry. Please pray for us. If God nudges you to support us, you'll see an address in a minute where you can do that. Go to our website if you want to watch this show again. All kinds of shows to watch for free at our website, pastorstudy.org. To us is pastorstudy.org, and we'll see you next time on The Pastor Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294. Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study. P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55444.
4-1. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week. <laughs>